Hi, my name is Jonathan Houston, and welcome to the Ultimate Wrestling Podcast, where we look back at the what? Royal Rumble of last night. Hey, no, wrong one, wrong one. I'm very sorry. Welcome to the Pinball Magazine and Pinball News, um, Pinball Industry News Podcast, where we look back at the uh, month of January 2021, um, which is a rather slow month, I would say, but still there's quite some news to report on. And yeah. I'm joined here yeah, with my good I'm Martin Ayub. Um, yeah, exactly. And I'm the editor of Pinball News, I think, if that's yeah. correct. Uh, yes. we are, and uh, and Wrestling Monthly as well. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll come to that later. Um, let's do the pinball stuff first. And uh, yes, as Jonathan said, uh, January 2021. Um, normally in this time of year, we'd be, uh, we'd be covering the, the, the trade show that's normally held in London, uh, this time of year, the yeah. uh, EAG international show. Right. And, um, but obviously with everything that's going on, um, with the, with the pandemic trade shows are, are out. So we have, um, have a whole bunch of other news to look back Not on. Not only is month. the trade show out, they didn't even have a virtual event. That's true. No, we'll we'll look at um, one show that did have a virtual event in, in a very small way a bit later, uh, another January show. But um, yeah, so we we are left with with no new games for us to play, and uh, no no new launches this month for for new titles. But right. um, still although we happening. did have a launch at the end of the uh, uh, December, so yeah, absolutely, yeah. Uh, so, question is, where shall we start, Jonathan? Well, let's start with um, the... Uh, well, Stern Pinball is still the biggest manufacturer of pinball machines, and there is uh, a bit of news. Uh, so, so um, I said, I, uh, let's go with Stern Pinball to start with. Sounds good to me. Okay, well... Um, let's start with something that we titan. addressed earlier on uh, in, in okay. our previous podcast. Mm-hmm. The end-of-user uh, licensing agreement... Yeah, well, not the end of, but the end user uh, licensing agreement. Yeah, so which could be the end of the user as well if they uh, actually bother to read the uh, the co- the um, the licensing rules. I yes, misspoke. Uh, I, I apologise. <laughs> I think you could have uh, could have actually said the right thing. Um, yes, last month we mentioned how Stern Pinball had put a an EULA um, end user license agreement on their downloads page for their game code. Uh, and then fairly quickly removed it. Well, it's come back again. I was just looking at it Ta-da, a few moments ago. It's back. It's back. Yes. F- version yeah, well, two point or? Well, I think I think we well, version one point zero 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 one. Hold I on, think. it's a stern, so it must be zero dot whatever. Pick well, zero point nine nine seven maybe. Yeah, um, they never come out with version one point zero at the first time. No, that's right. Well, there have been some bug fixes in it since uh, since the, the previous version came out. Right. So and basically, actually, we should address this as a code update. Uh, well, yes, an update to the yeah to the update. Yes. Um, okay. And, code updates uh, are later, so we'll save it. <laughs> uh, well, we've launched off on it now, so we might as well just okay, uh, okay. Just, just rattle through it. Um, now, the, it's when it first came out. There's quite a lot of. Um, eyebrows raised, shall we say, and uh, voices raised as well about uh, exactly what Stern were attempting to do in all this. And a general opinion that was a lot of uh, arse or ass covering taking place in that Stern don't want to be held responsible for people doing various things with their games that might impact on their licenses 
for bands, movies, and, and all the assets and media that they, they use in their games. And if people were modifying those or changing them or um, even deleting them completely and replacing them with something else, Stern didn't want to be held responsible for that, or at least wanted to have a, a get-out clause, I think, was, was, was the key part of that. Yeah. And um, that's what this uh, end-user license agreement gave them. But it, it does actually, if you go into it, and and um, and look at it and read it by the letter, it's very very restrictive as to what you can actually do. And uh, probably the key thing uh, I thought when I looked at it is that um, one of the early lines is um, it says that the Stern Pinball software authorized content and authorized updates are licensed, not sold to you. You and no ownership rights are transferred by this agreement. So in other words, if you buy a pinball game, you don't own the software in it right. anymore. If you agree to this now, and how um, do you agree? Well, that if if you download an update, then you agree to it. If you mm. don't, then unless it comes, unless you when you first, as I said last time, when you first carry it on, it says, "Do you accept these terms and agreement, uh, terms and conditions?" So press the right button on the right flipper button for yes, and the left flipper button for for decline. Um, then you haven't agreed to anything, so you've just bought a game. But there are a whole bunch of other restrictions, which I will go through very, very quickly, because but, they are but, quite boring. Hold on, hold on. Uh, one of the, uh, because I know what's coming, um, mm -hmm. but um, what if Stern updates the game for you? Well, you, you never agreed to anything new that they put in there. No. Uh, well, at the moment, none of their games come with the ability for that to happen. Ah, okay. So... so. So that may Storm change in a glass in the future. Water. Well, you know, it's uh, it's something to look out for. As soon as they bring out a, an internet-connected game, then that possibility is there. Yeah, but well, we'll we've, they've been talking about this for so long. How long do you think it actually will take to come out well, with such a game? Yeah, obviously. I mean, there's, there's game manufacturers, um, arcade game manufacturers, that have been doing that for ages. But in Pinball, apparently, it takes... Forever. Well, yeah, it's gradually coming out though, and you know, um, different companies are doing it in different ways. We saw True. that Jersey Jack Pinball are doing it now. Um, Deep Root Pinball, well, that was part of their original model as well to do that kind of thing as part of a, a DLC uh, down a digital uh, downloaded license uh, content. But um, going back to this agreement thing, uh, which is something which you would have to agree to now if you want to update your game code, whether it's connected to the internet or not, you have to agree that you will not, um, amongst other things, disassemble, display, perform, or create derivative works based on or otherwise modify the Stern Pinball hardware or software. So in other words, you're not allowed to take your game to bits. You're not allowed to show Clean it, it to anyone. Yeah. Yeah, you're not allowed to broadcast anything of it, perform it, um, do it in a, uh, put it in a, use it in a, I guess, a, in a performance uh, environment. Um, and if you, and you're can allowed you still to still operate it? You can operate it. Yes, that is actually covered separately. But uh, you are not allowed to make mods for it, uh, which you then sell. It says you will not commercially exploit any of those of the foregoing things I am which so include curious. what will be the penalty if you create a mod and you sell it 
Yeah, well, I guess you're not allowed to sell it as being based on that game. But are you going to be sentenced to prison? <laughs> well, I guess they could um, could sue you, or could um, you know want to take a, a cut of your uh, your earnings for that, you know, and uh, and bring it in house, make it a licensed product. You know, we've seen that in the past where well, people were making mods for for previously produced games, and so uh, another company said, if you want to do that, you have to do it through us, and we want uh, our, our take. So do you think they put this in so they basically Stern wants their piece of the action in the yeah. uh, the modding market? Maybe so. You know, they're, they're in that market. So anything... Well, they never cared about that market until they saw how much people, uh, how much money other uh, uh, modders were making, so to speak. Well, exactly. And, but and somebody figured like, hey, if you, you're making money of our product, we want to make money of our product too. But, yeah, but if they're selling a you know, $1,000 topper... And, thousand dollar uh, toppers. Yeah, and somebody else is making a five hundred dollar topper um, that looks very, very similar, or is uh, derivative. Of I'm actually the, surprised uh, to see that there's um, uh, certain toppers where there is a lot of demand for, uh, which seem to me like could easily be replicated. Uh, that nobody jumped into that or onto that, so to speak. Well, not not uh, publicly, shall we say, because it's it's licensed um, characters. I would, I would guess. So you can't advertise those too clearly, but um, they yeah, probably but are if available. If it's a good knockoff, then you won't tell the difference. And who's going to tell the difference anyway if you don't have the original to compare it with? Uh, true, but um, it's a lot of, sort of flying under the radar with that kind of thing and, and not not getting too noticed, shall we say, so that um, Disney, Marvel, whoever, uh, whoever the band is, uh, their uh, agents don't come after you. But um, I think those agents are really not too worried about pinball toppers or modifications. But oh well, yeah. yeah. Um, one of the other things that was in the um, in the previous version of this agreement was that if you wanted to stream the game, you had to get um, you had to get permission from Stern Pinball in order to do it, and that's yeah. now changed. Stern. Stern in this in this version of it say Stern does not have the legal authority to give permission to stream the gameplay of Stern pinball machines. Right, and they probably figured like they're going to be swamped with um, uh, requests anyway, yeah. and they, they, which they don't want. So basically, they're telling you up front you can't stream it and leave us alone. Well, they're saying that we can't give you permission. Um, <clears throat> obviously, it's in Stern's interest for people to to stream the games because it's free publicity for them you know why would they not want it but at the same time it's probably breaching various licensing agreements um, for the for the assets that are on there for the for the video and for the audio so stern basically washing their hands of all that and saying no if, if you want to do that it's up to you between you and the the licensor nothing to do with us and right. we can't we can't say it's okay uh, but um going back to what you were saying earlier about updates another thing in here which uh I don't think it's new, but it's uh, it's it's certainly still there. It says that Stern Pinball may update the software from time to time without further notice to you. In other words, they want to if you're connected to the internet, they can update your software without you agreeing. And there go all your high scores. <clears throat> yeah, your high scores. There go your maybe a particular mode that you liked, or maybe an, a song that was in the previous version of the of the the band based game that. Um, is no longer part of the game. Maybe it's been taken out and swapped with another one or something like that. Right. So yeah. would, this, would this mean 
Uh, and of course, this is just speculating at this point, but would this mean that upcoming CERN games with internet connectivity would be like Deep Root games always on machines, where basically if it's in a sleep mode and CERN wants to install a, a, a code update, they can basically take the game out of sleep mode, install the code update and put it back into sleep mode? Well, it's all possible, um, and assuming you, it, it's connected to the internet while it's in sleep mode, or you haven't turned the router off, or uh, or disconnected the uh, the Wi-Fi. Right, or would it be when you power on the game that the game will tell you, like, hey, there's a code update available, would you like to install it right now? Could do, or it could say, there was a game update available last night, we've installed it for you. Right. And, um, yeah, it's uh, obviously if it's not connected to the internet, then all these things don't happen automatically but if you want to partake in in whatever stern's internet connectivity um offers you you know um, high score tables um internet-based challenges all that kind of stuff rewards bonuses you know, power-ups that kind of stuff then you'll probably want to connect it to the internet and then you know there's the payoff hmm. but um they have the right to update the software and um, and change various parts of the game, or even block it completely. If they detect you've done anything bad. And the, but the final final one, which probably I was going to say, can we wrap up this boring stuff? <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I feel that as well. Uh, but there is one one final one, which is not so not so relevant in in very large countries like the US or Canada, or maybe it is in if you if you live near the border. But uh, certainly in, in in Europe, it says that, that this license user software is valid only in the country in which you purchased your stern pinball machine. Right. So So if you buy your machine from Germany in and move it to Holland or Belgium or wherever, um, then the license is no longer valid and um it's arguable that um in the UK here our biggest well our only uh, main well our only stern reseller is uh, Pinball Heaven. They they then sell to other companies but they are no, the biggest, and uh, if you want to buy a game, a brand new Stern game, you're probably going to buy it through Pinball Heaven. They're based in England. If somebody in Wales wants to buy a new Stern game, or in Scotland or Northern Ireland, uh, they probably buy it from Phil at Pinball Heaven, which is in England, which is another country. Therefore, the license is immediately invalid. Hmm. So, interesting. It seems to me like the lawyers at Stern still have some homework to do. Yeah, and uh, obviously uh, around, around the border area, around um, Seattle and Vancouver, the Nitro Pinball, for instance, um, are they? If you buy a game, do you buy it from Canada? Do you buy it from America? Do you, you take across the border? You know, quite a lot of games do end up going across there. Not just now, but in the future, when they're they're not maybe even new, but they are they are uh, pre-owned. You know, is that an invalid use of the of the software now? It's mm. it's. A minefield. But as you say, it's still boring. So let's move on. Okay. So in December, and we discussed it in our previous uh, podcast, um, Stern Pinball announced uh, Led Zeppelin, uh, the latest Steve Ritchie pinball design uh, with uh, Tim Saxon on code. Mm -hmm. uh, that game went into production and started shipping and showing up, of course, in, in various homes and um, uh, arcades and, and, and what have you. Mm, yeah, it's still open. Um, yes. Uh, another game that went into production and also um, had been announced a bit uh, longer ago, Heavy Metal, which mm. also started arriving in people's homes right now. And surprisingly, I noticed um, 
several distributors offering heavy metal um, uh, in their um, range of games that they are offering uh, for people to buy, uh, where I thought that it was actually a game that had to be ordered directly uh, from heavy metal, I suppose, and it wasn't yeah. supposed to be go through the Stern Pinball distributor network. Yeah, it was originally going to be a, a, a built-to-order, wasn't it, for yes. uh, Incendium. You had to buy it through through their website, and they would only build as many games as were ordered. Right. So, but um, I, I saw a couple of distributors in America have it uh, offer offer the game for sale, and also Electric Coin in the UK. Well, wow, Okay. And he- heavy metal wasn't being sold at a heavy discount. One would assume. I have no details on that. So, but I assume no. Okay. Well, price. Raised an eyebrow or two, didn't it, when it was first announced? For yeah. certainly amongst those in the pinball community who know the uh, the previous iterations of that particular design and and what and they how they were for. priced. Yeah, exactly. Because price is an important factor, and it's something we're just about to come on to, I think. Right. So, oh well. Um, another boring um, item regarding Stern Pinball. Um, that's probably has been beaten to death uh, by now, is uh, a price increase that occurred in, uh, well, uh, the past month. Um, now, as far as I recall, um, the price increase actually was already announced a couple of months ago, where basically mm-hmm. Stern Pimble said, like, um, if you order Elvira now, it's going to cost you this, and if you order the game in January, it's going to be $500 more. Now, I suppose right. that's all fair. It's up to them to uh, uh, to decide. Apparently, what happened, what was not that cool, is that, um, as you know, Stern has a, according to Gary Stern during Pimble Expo, I think he mentioned that they have a backlog of 5,000 games that they still need to produce. Um, and apparently, pre-orders were cancelled... And if you ordered the game again, you had to uh, order it for the uh, uh, price, including the price increase of $500, which is uh, something that did not sit very well with uh, people. And now imagine 5,000 games adding $500 to those. That's $2.5 million, assuming everybody would order the game again. Or you lose a lot of money because not everybody's going to order that game because they're not... Happy with those tactics? Yes. Um, since that was announced, of course, they've had this uh, this European Union five hundred dollars, twenty five percent increase uh, or twenty five percent tariff applied, along with um, VAT on top, which probably takes it to near a thirty percent price increase on Stern games. So I wonder whether that's led to a lot of cancellations. Now, this, as you said, this was announced before that was known about, so it's not not a reaction to that for Stern to try and get you know recover some of those lost or cancelled or delayed orders. But um, it would certainly make you think for the for some European uh, distributors, if they were sort of given the option, basically your pre-orders are cancelled. If you want to reorder, then you have to reorder at twenty uh, at five hundred dollars or more, and the game's going to cost you thirty percent more on top of that you can see quite a few of them might say okay well i don't think we will reorder i think we'll just take that cancellation thank you very much right 
So that's, that could be a sort of a way out for, for some of those uh, European... Could also be a way out for Stern not to have to produce that many games. Yeah, well, if they can cut down that 5,000 backlog and take it, you know, um, then that's a, that's a, you know, uh, I would say it's a win-win because they're, they're, they're lost sales, but they might be sales that will then be applied to, to future titles. Right. So, um, oh, well. Um, we already spoke about EAG not happening. Um, mm. There was another um, show which happened in a uh, virtual format, I suppose, um, the Consumer Electronics Show, which is always in January, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's right. It was, um, I'm trying to think when it was. It was, uh, it was right at the start of January, anyway. It's like the 8th to 11th or something like that. Right. Oh, no, it's, sorry, it's 11th to the 14th. Oh, give pardon. No, I remember now. Right. Yes, yeah, so it was two weeks in. But normally a huge show in Las Vegas that takes over, what well, takes over the, the city, pretty much. Because it covers so many different aspects of uh, consumer electronics, from uh, you know uh, software through to domestic products, due to the in the, um, industry and broadcast, yeah, and, yeah. and of course so, gaming as well. Right. So anyway, Stern Pinball is known to be present at that show, uh, partnering up, uh, I think, with uh, Nuclear Blast Records, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think last year they had a huge um, uh, Star Wars. Uh, display, um, if I'm, uh, or, or that was the year prior to that. I'm sort of lost. Uh, well, they always have, always have a, a strong presence at that show and uh, right. use it to. They often use it to launch their, their new titles, just right. um, like a week before they they end up at uh, EAG in London. Right. So uh, this year a virtual show, and I really have no idea what they did, but there were some results in the sense that uh, Led Zeppelin has been getting a lot of uh, press, I would say, um, as a result of the the virtual CES show. Um, I'm sure the uh, marketing department at Stern sent out press releases uh, out as well when the game was initially launched, but apparently this was a good way for reporters to get acquainted with the game in some way. Yeah, I was trying to find any uh, sort of reference to it on the CES website. I couldn't see anything. Um, that's not to say there wasn't anything, but uh, she certainly sets with Pinball or Stern or, or even you know, Stern's normal partners, Nuclear Blast. Nothing comes up in their list of uh, virtual distribu- uh, virtual exhibitors, I should say. So well, hopefully so, there was something. Well, how they did it, I don't know. But uh, okay, so Led Zeppelin got um, quite some uh, press from non-pinball media. Yeah, but it's good to uh, you know we're trying to expand the player base and uh, expand the the market as well right. for these games. There's plenty of plenty of Led Zeppelin fans out there who, uh, who have no are not clue currently whether it's a good game fans. or not, and they just want the game. Sorry, that's right. Did I say that out loud? <laughs> well, no, you're not, not saying it's not a bad. You're not saying it's it's a bad game. You're saying no. that they don't know, and then they wouldn't be in a position to to judge necessarily. But it's a Led Zeppelin game, and that's what counts. Yeah, exactly, and uh, well, that goes for a lot of licenses, I suppose. But in in, in case of Led Zeppelin, um, yeah, yeah, for someone who, or for for a, for a group who is so careful about who they who they give their licenses to and and what products they license, yeah, it's uh, it's a well, it was a coup at the time for Stern, and uh, uh, those dividends are paying off now, I'm sure. Right. So. Um, last but not least, uh, Zach Sharp appeared on the Nicky Rich show. I have no idea what show that is. No, who's Nicky Rich? Should we know? 
don't know either. So, but there's a link on Stern's Facebook page. So, if you're interested, go check it out. Okay. Well, it's all good publicity. Yeah. Um, very, very last and very, very least, I suppose. We should just cover some. Uh, well, we're going some, full circle now. We're going back to code. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, but we'll, we'll try to make this less boring. And just um, just mention that there's, there's new software for well, actually released a couple of days ago for the Avengers Infinity Quest version right. 0.98, which is good because it adds a couple of uh, wizard modes, uh, Battle Thanos and uh, Thanos Attack. I wouldn't attack. those anyway, but okay. And I can't still still can't play the game, so great. No, I have something here. to look forward to. Yeah, but when you do get your your hands on it, it'll be a, a much more complete game. Uh, change some of the rules as well for Black Order, Multi Ball, and Battle Royale, and um, more light shows and bug fixes. Led Zeppelin, we were just talking about, um, that had an update on the 18th of January, version 0.93, uh, which had a lot of bug fixes, uh, which is in- interesting. There's an awful lot of bugs in it to start with. But uh, it's 0.93, so it's uh, still got a little way to go. We've probably got so, another seven okay. updates. Are, are we going to um, uh, do a sort of um, uh, a wager or a bet? How long it will take them to get to 1.0? Oh, right. Okay. I would say um, August. What year? <laughs> oh, I thought being being, opt- uh, being generous with August. Um, yes, well, okay. No, I'll, stick with, I'll stick with the summer, yeah, because, um, yeah, August this, this year. Right, okay. No, I think yeah. it will take them longer. So. Well, I was going to say October because I thought it would come out of version one in time for Expo, but that's assuming Expo happens and assuming the version one point zero happens as well. <laughs> True. <laughs> oh well, we'll see in the end. So we will. Hopefully, uh, it will be there at some point. But um, it's not well, uncommon well. for certain titles to uh, take a year after release before they get to uh, version one point Anyway, speaking yeah. of 1.0, uh, another code update, Strangest Things, who is actually at uh, 1.02 right now. Yeah, well, that's just over a year, wasn't it, since since it was uh, released or yes. premiered, maybe yes. we should say that. So, yeah, one, 1.0 came a couple of months ago. So that's probably about 10 months after it was announced. Yeah, uh, it's yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> maybe, maybe October was about right. Um, well, but, you said August. It's I did it's in the recording, yeah. so... Yeah, I know. But uh, I was being generous, because I always like to give Stern the benefit of the doubt, because they, they, they do do surprise us in a, in a good way quite often. So, well, then, so yeah, uh, as you said, um, Stranger Things 1.02 uh, came out on the 6th of January, um, and that um, that added a, a, quite an interesting new feature, actually. You go the swiper ball rule, which allows you to steal locked balls from other players, which is something we haven't seen in games for a long time, actually, ever since we've had uh, CPU control, pretty much, um, or at least multi multi ball locks. The the point where you can other players can can um, lock balls, and then the next player can come along and um, and steal them. So that's not something we had a, an awful lot of. But this this is actually part of the rules now. Um, if you enable that in your uh, in your software, hmm. um, yeah, I there's a few like other things. Stealing right? balls. Well, I've heard that, but uh, I've never seen it myself. Uh, I also thought the balls in a pinball machine oh, that are, too. are made of steel. Well, So really it sort it. of implies that you have to steal them. It does. Oh, very good. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
I forgot where I was. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. The the Demogorgon Demogorgon bomb rule has been added as well. Allowed you to uh, do a. This is actually something which is they're now doing with the with the button on the lockdown bar. Um, you can do a sort of a, a quick press on it, or you can do a long press on it to uh, to activate this Demogorgon bomb, which uh, is, is I guess like a Martian bomb that you can get in Attack from Mars and that kind of thing. Right. Uh, but um, anyway, that's added anyway, and and lots of more topper light shows and that kind of stuff um, as well. And oh, we didn't actually mention about Led Zeppelin, but they've added a wizard mode to it called Top of the Charts, and a new uh, as they seem to do now with, with Stern Games. When they add a final wizard mode, they kind of put a the ability to be able to play that or a version of that uh, at the start of the game as in a different gameplay mode. Right, you know, you can you can do all these different challenges, you know, whether you're playing one against two or two against one or one against three and all that kind of stuff. Where you can also do these um, these challenge modes as well in most most of the new games, and um, they, they tend to be sort of versions of the wizard mode. And they've added that to their Zeppelin as well. So there's top of the charts challenge mode, which okay. you can choose choose to play. Right. So th- th- those are games which um, Stone are making. It's a top uh, of the charts challenge mode. Led Zeppelin haven't been top of the charge in ages i know it seemed like a re- when i saw it i thought that kind of misses the point i don't think zeppelin were really about getting to the top of the charts they were more about the quality of their music rather than the sales but i don't know i guess somebody thought it was a good idea uh, must be somebody not related to led zeppelin that's okay yeah yeah, but it's more like a sort of Beatles type thing, isn't it, rather than a Dead Zeppelin one. But uh, but as I say, those are games which are being made. But there are also a little bit of news about a game which isn't being made, or at least isn't being made at the moment. And um, I think uh, I think last time we mentioned um, some news about about um, was it on the Super Awesome Pinball Show? Where there was some uh, information about a potential for a, a Harry Potter game being made by stone pinball um well um i think there uh what you're referring to is um there was an uh this month actually an interview with roger sharp who hinted that um stern pinball um uh, due to their uh, um, a relationship with joe Camico, who has mm. the rights to a harry potter slot machine um, it's very reasonable to assume that Stern Pinball at some point will be able to to make a Harry, a Harry Potter themed pinball machine or possibly even a series of Harry Potter themed pinball machines. Um, and that was implied by uh, Roger Sharp, who is, mm-hmm. uh, as we all know, uh, very aware of uh, or a, a very um, expertise is that the right word? He's an expert yeah. in the licensing expert. in uh, of, of pinball and uh, video game licenses and, and all that stuff. Mm. Um, so he knows a thing or two about it. And uh, the interesting thing is that actually uh, Joe Kamenkow, uh, commented, uh, which was uh, uh, distributed through the, uh, the Facebook page or the social media of the Super Awesome Pinball Show, uh, where we basically um, uh, said that Brian Eddy isn't designing a Harry Potter game for Stern. And if Joe would have the license for um, a Harry Potter pinball machine, he would design it himself. Yes. So he didn't say that he didn't have it. 
No, there was only there was speculation that um, it, it could be Brian Eddy's next game for Stern. Right. There's, there's been no confirmation of that from any quarters. It's just it is just speculation. Right. But uh, Joe was sort of uh, squashing that and saying very clearly that Brian isn't designing a Harry Potter game for Stern. That's that's him saying that d- directly, regardless right. of uh, whether or he has the license or not. Right. So, um, it is interesting. It's all speculative, of course. Um, uh, I do have to say the um, the interview with Roger Sharp on the Super Awesome Pinball Show, as the Super Awesome Pinball Show in general, is uh, actually very interesting and absolutely uh, worth to listen to. So uh, once you're done with us, go listen how it's actually done. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but but come back. I mean, don't don't assume that everything has to be to that high quality. No, right. but, no, but seriously, the production of Chris Frenchy on that podcast is absolutely um, phenomenal, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. All the well, respect to Chris Frenchy as a producer of podcasts, uh, very entertaining podcast and actually very informative as well. They really dive into the subject of, or, or, or they come up with good questions and so... Well, sounds like highly it recommended. Be, sounds like it should be award-winning, shall we say? Well, we'll come to that a bit later, anyway, and um, in 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 other news. But um, yes, yeah, so I think that's uh, that's pretty much it for Stern Pinball, unless there's anything I've forgotten. But um, we should probably now turn to actually our first headline, which was right. the um, the announcement from American Pinball. Well, they uh, well last month we announced. Um, well, we we talked about the announcement that uh, that Dennis Nordman had joined American Pinball as their senior game designer. Right. And uh, this month we can uh, talk about the fact that uh, Sophia Ryan, um, also known as Sophia Bill, in uh, her earlier days, um, has joined as their senior mechanical uh, designer. And um, now you may not particularly know that name and um, it's not mechanical design it's probably not one of the sort of uh, you know rock star positions in the design team but she's uh, got a very long history in, in pinball stretching back 30 years and um, has designed some of them some of the mechanisms of which you will be familiar things such as the time expander on the doctor who pinball machine right um on the um I'm trying to think uh, the um, Popeye game, the the animal kicker on the left hand side, the the multi diverter thing, right. the the roulette wheel skill shot, right. as well. Uh, there's a whole bunch of mechanisms that she has designed and worked on games, and she worked on Scared Stiff uh, with Dennis Nordman. Yeah, I think she did the um, uh, the, the the coffin. Mechanism. The stiff in the coffin. Yes, that one. Yeah, but she worked with him on um, the Party Zone as well, I think, a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's pretty much on the uh, the Barry Ausler uh, design team. Did things like the um, Miss Bo- uh, the, 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 oh, of course, yes, the yeah, big the one, Miss yeah, Multiball. Miss, Miss Multiball, that that long mechanical, um, uh, which ball I track. thought was an idea that Barry Ausler came up with. Uh, he told me a story once about how he figured, um, well, if a TV remote can cross such a long distance, mm-hmm. how difficult would it be? to have a sensor that crosses the play field and detects a ball, yes or no. And yeah. I suppose Derry, Barry might have come up with that design and she made it work. That's right, yeah. So if you look at the, the patent, which uh, and we go a blatant plug for the Pinball News article where we do actually have links to all the, all the patents 
which she uh, has, has her name on. Um, they are mostly in, in conjunction with Barry and, and also in, in some cases with uh, Bill Futzenreuter, um, who, who's also a game designer. We're working Programmer, on, a, Oh, you're right. Yeah, of course he was. Um, but working on the part of Barry's design team there yeah. for those games. And um, yes, the the Miss Multiball is uh, you know it's quite a quite a, probably I was going to say that and well no the Time Expander is probably as far as I can think the biggest single device in pinball maybe the brighter pinball head. Cause, no, I uh, think the the the, the triple layered uh, teleporter is uh, is probably the biggest yeah. device. Yeah, so pro- probably the heaviest. Given oh, yeah, how much sure. stuff's in it, um, yeah. So that was uh, she said that was her uh, her most complex device to design on. on yeah. And, and I have to say that is that is actually a a wowing device. It is, and uh, and it's and it's one that doesn't seem to go wrong. Really, you know, we're, we're so used to having really complex devices which break a lot and things like the the head, for instance, on um, Brider Pinbot when it rotates. There's that's probably one of the. That's probably the most um, troublesome part of that game. Not that there's a huge amount of other moving parts in that game, but it, it is the most troublesome. I mean, it doesn't align up properly, or it's you know, uh, it doesn't kick out properly, things like that. But um, the time expander just seems to work. You know, it, it moves up and down. It's got three different layers uh, to shoot. I had a they? game that had a problem with the, with the the gear motor or whatever you call it, but. Uh, so it uh, it can break down, of course. But then again, there was a game that came from Italy, and they don't know how to read English <laughs> manuals over there. So they get very creative on their own, and they try to figure out what what, what might work. So. Well, so if it's being operated, you, know, you have to do what you have to do, don't you, sometimes, just to keep it going. But um, Anyway, congratulations yeah. to yeah. Sophia for joining American Pinball, and hopefully she will be able to... Um, um, Designed some some very impressive uh, uh, mechanical interaction with pinballs, yeah, uh, and and together with uh, Dennis Dortmund. So, well, as, as I said in the article on Pinball News, you now Dennis said he he left um, his employment at Deep Root because he designed the games. He had no mechanical designer to work with to actually bring them to production. And yet, Barry also didn't recommend to hire Sophia. Well, maybe he did. Um, maybe they didn't want to hire. Maybe they already have a mechanical designer. And that, well, and, not for Dennis. Not for Dennis. No, no. But uh, anyway, so now they're reunited at American Pinball, and uh, and and Dennis has got a senior mechanical designer to work with, and uh, and a very good one at that. So congratulations to everyone there. Right now, speaking of designers, um, last month we already um, mentioned that Dave Fix had mentioned on the Super Awesome Pinball Show, there it is again, um, that he hired three junior designers. Now, I did not completely follow the entire discussion on Pinside, but one of those designers rumored to have joined American Pinball is uh, Scott from Riot Pinball, who you might know from, uh, well, most recently his um, uh, Viking-themed uh, uh, Legends of Valhalla game. Mm-hmm. Um if I'm not mistaken, that's the name. But um, he also yep, did right. um, this incredibly uh, packed wide-body game, Wrath of Olympus. Uh, 
yeah. which was a, a homebrew game. And for a homebrew game, it was really, really packed with an upper play field. And I think it had a fan layout of nine shots. That um, uh, It was a, a very impressive game. Uh, if you're sitting on a computer, look up Wrath of Olympus Pinball. And, um, yeah, it was a game which very nearly went into production, I think. They just needed to get... Um, a certain number of commitments from from buyers in order to to start producing it, but it didn't quite hit the number that they needed. Right. I think uh, Spooky looked into that, but yes. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, um, I think you're right. One way or another, they couldn't make the ends meet and um, didn't happen after all. Yeah. But if the rumor is true and Scott is working for American Pinball, then congrats. And I think that they have a very talented designer um, that can bring them... Um, very interesting games, I would say. Yeah, and teamed up with Dennis, you know, there's a huge amount of knowledge there of, of how to how to actually bring a game to production. Then, um, you know, he's worked for so many different companies, made so many different products. It's uh, there's a lot to be learnt from uh, from a master of the of the business. Right. So, and um, also um, American Pinball related, a code update. Yes, for Yay! surprise, surprise, not for Hot Wheels or Oktoberfest, but for their first game, Houdini. Yeah, it came out the 21st of, uh, of January, um, which added a new Magic Spinner bonus and um, a King of Cards accuracy bonus as well, which uh, encourages you to, to actually shoot the game um, accurately rather than just uh, flading away. Uh, a few rule changes and additions um, and a new setting, which uh, one of the problems with, with the game up till now is that once you get to the sort of Master Magician wizard mode and complete it, that's it, the game's finished. And now you can actually re carry on playing the game after that point. So that's good. Um, new sound effects, um, some new display effects, and generally make the game you know, a bit more responsive to uh, and, and faster to react to events happening on the play field. So and a couple of bug fixes, of course, which are always thrown in with every every uh, new code update. But anyway, nice to see Houdini, and as you said, their first game getting getting some love and and a new uh, new version of the code. Okay. I think that sort of wraps it up uh, for... Uh, I think it does. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, where do you want to go next? Well, let's, um, let's talk about a game which actually isn't... Well, it has been produced. It's coming back into production. But it's going to take a bit longer than we thought. Oh, we've heard that before. <laughs> yes, uh, we're talking about Alien, of course. Um, originally des uh, designed and built at uh, Highway Pinball. Now um, ab about to be... Re remade by Pinball Brothers with with uh, quite a few changes to it mechanically and in software. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, some of those mechanical changes have taken a bit longer to uh, become reliable and, and settled than uh, the Pinball Brothers were expecting. So those their original plan when, when to produce it and when to um, ship it have been pushed back a bit by some delays. Like two weeks? Um, unknown at this point, um, probably a couple of months, I'd have thought. It's, it's, no, it's, no, how long is a piece of string? It's, you don't release it until it's ready to go. And, right. uh, if they, if, if some things need redesigning or re-specifying or whatever, then they have to maybe order some new parts and there's a lead time and all that. So it's, um, as we've seen from various companies, you know, when you, if you haven't got all the parts ready to build a game, you haven't yeah, got a stuck. game. Yeah, 
So if if it's stuff that they can change in software, then it can be done quicker. If it's stuff that they need to actually re-engineer and, and then order new parts, that can that can be three months, four months, six months, you know. Right. So we have to wait and see. But Pimble Brothers were upfront about the problems. They said we were a bit too optimistic when we had our prototypes up and running and uh, after receiving and putting together all the final parts, but they were the final parts, um, and electronics, we encountered some minor misbehaviours in the game that we absolutely want to fix before we deliver any machines. So yeah, It's a good thing that they want to fix those because... Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, I mean, it's, you kind of wonder why this wasn't picked up earlier, of course, because... No, it's not like anybody was holding their feet to the flames and saying you've got to release this game by a certain date or indeed announce the game by a certain date. But they announced it, took orders, um, no pre-orders, thankfully. And um, and so we're going to ship the game, but then they have to push back on that. Which, okay, so um, this is the first delay about uh, Alien. Hopefully it will be the last. But, well, we know what happens when... <coughs> Sorry, new parties start getting involved in pinball and like, oh yeah, sure, we can build that. And then it turns out, oh, we can't build that after all. Yeah, or it doesn't quite work the way you thought it was going to or work. Or it's going to cost more. <laughs> yes, yes, well, we've been there before. But exactly. uh, hopefully they have a good contract with their, with their manufacturer in Italy um, who's going to build this game. And uh, there won't be any any uh, surprises when it comes to the price for which they uh, each game will be delivered. Right. Okay. So that wraps it up. I th- oh no. Well, no, a little bit about the yeah 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, and also, people brothers also shared a video of um, a uh, alien playfield being tested for mm-hmm. pooling and clipping. Now you wonder how do you test that? Well. Um, I'd say watch the video. It's on their uh, social media. Um, but basically, they took a, a giant sledgehammer to a playfield, and um, that, yes, it left a dent, but yes. it didn't. Um, the, the 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 clear coat didn't crack. Um, no, they needed to start hacking away at it in order uh, the at uh, the uh, the dent in order to uh, start lifting any of the coat off it. Right. So. Yeah, so. I mean, but who's going to attack their playfield, particularly in an area where they're full of inserts in the middle, you know, with a sledgehammer? You know, so. um, usually, I don't tend to do that. And uh, so they were also checking for pooling by um, uh, uh, mounting... Uh, scr- uh, this is something you should address because my terminology. Oh, is right. <laughs> okay. Oh, I think they were just putting um, mounting things onto the play field and um, shining the light or reflecting the light off it, and seeing you could see that there was no no pooling taking place around the point where the the pressure was, where the things were screwed into the play field tightly. Right. So I, I think it's uh, just a, a good demonstration, at least initially. You know, you haven't got. Well, a long you always have test. to wonder how things will hold up over time. Yes, quite. Uh, but initially, at least, there was no no problems with that. But you you would hope that um, any manufacturer who who had a playfield and they screwed things into it and the clear coat started deforming or pooling, they'd do something about it. But right. um, if it's not a, a, a not visible immediately, then you you have to hope they won't show up over time because clear coat is not it's not a solid product. It's no, it's very very thick viscous coating. 
to the game and it will change over time you know it'll uh, it'll dent it'll pull it'll it'll run but very very slowly and very very slightly right time will be, time will be the uh, the judge of of how well that holds up right okay so um making a small um uh, sort of a bridge uh, with mm-hmm. uh, Alien being a uh, pinball machine uh, built in the, uh, or designed in the UK. Um, last episode, we had Gary Flower on the phone. And we did. Unfortunately, oh, yeah. we left him hanging. Oh, I feel so bad about that yeah. on your behalf. And um, so um, I should have mentioned this at the uh, at the beginning of our podcast, but um, uh, why don't we give... Gary Flower, a call right now, and then um, just to make sure that we have him on the line, we finish our uh, uh, our headlines and, uh, and and the thing, and then we get back to uh, Gary. What do you say? Yeah, yeah, we owe him that after last time. Yeah. Okay. So, okay, I'm calling him right now. Hello, Gary. Can you hear us? Yeah. Yes, it's John. Oh, good. Yeah. So, uh, listen, uh, we're in the middle of recording our podcast. Okay. Uh, let us finish what we're currently discussing and uh, hang in there and we'll get back to you. And, yes, we won't leave no, you hanging this time. We promise. We promise. Okay. Right. Okay. No problem. Okay. Talk to you in a bit. Sure. Hang on. Good. Right. So, okay. moving on to, uh, I suppose, Multimorphic would be a good one. Yeah. Not so much news. Well, they've got sort of new products available, which are... Um, the it's a it's a multi-game platform multi-morphic with a p3 machine um it's not tied to any particular one you know any particular title you can swap upper play fields over you can even with um most of the upper play fields you can play various games so the whole idea is being a certain amount of generic artwork on the game but if you if you sort of really want to play one of the games that says Cosmic Kart Racing or Heist or Lexi Lightspeed and want it to look, you know, really sort of branded to that particular title, you can now buy various Playfield artwork pieces for the aprons, um, the apron, the slingshots and the side targets, which are themed to that particular title. So, uh, so yeah, they're available as kits from the Multimorphic store. And as I said, they are available for Cosmic Kart Racing, Heist and... Not the. I don't think they're available for the original Lexi Lightspeed, but there's an alternative um, version of Lexi Lightspeed Escape from Earth, which um, d- a different art package, and you can get the the plastic pieces and the apron. Um, I think it's a magnetic apron um, for for that for those three games anyway. Um, I still you, uh, want them to go back to the original artwork for uh, Lexi Lightspeed, but I don't yeah. think that's going to happen. You were a fan of that, were you? I, I, actually, yeah. I, I actually like the alternate one. So there you go. I think they, it proves there's a market for both. Apparently. <laughs> so, uh, okay, but uh, so are those um, um, uh, artwork kits affordable? Uh, yeah, I don't think they're that expensive. I think they start from, uh, I'm trying to rack my brains, I think there was something like um, $40 or maybe it was $50. What? Oh, well, it's, it's well okay. you know, it's, uh, it's a small market. They're... they're, they're um, well, they do. They do look good on the game. I have to say, having having seen them uh, in examples, yeah. Um, but again, you know, it takes it. It's kind of like the, the cabinet side art. If you if you put, say, Lexi Lightspeed on the on the side, and then you put in the Cosmic Kart Racing, then your game is kind of you know, it's not really branded completely to that game at that point. Right. If you look at the side, 
Um, but same with the, with the playfield plastic. You know, how, how much right, swapping yeah, over it, do you want to do? The whole point is you can swap over the games very quickly. If you have to start replacing slingshot plastics and and uh, target plastics and things, it takes it take, makes it a bit longer. But you know, if you're not swapping games over frequently, then you might as well have uh, have it looking its its very best. Right. Okay. So, well, it's a very nice little touch of detail, I would say. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't you, basically? It's, it's available to do it. There were plastics there before. They were generic. Why not have them branded for your favourite game? Right. So, um, I suppose that was all the news uh, from Multimorphic. I think so, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, there is a, a Jersey Jack, of course, which we uh, haven't discussed yet. No, no. We, we, well, kind of in the last one, we did sort of mention that it was the 10th year anniversary um, of the announcement of the formation of Jersey Jack Pinball and the, the first title, The Wizard of Oz, that, uh, that uh, Jack Guarneri did on the uh, the Spooky Pinball podcast uh, 10 years ago on the 1st of January. Yeah. but Which is... Kind of fits into the, our January review, but we did actually cover it last month, so we won't go into it any further. Right. Than that. So, now what is interesting? At least I found it very interesting. Um, Eric Meunier was a guest on the Loser Kid Pinball Podcast, and uh, basically he talked about the impact that uh, his latest design, Guns and Roses, which is currently in production, mm-hmm. uh, and they are producing the uh, uh, collector's edition at yeah. the moment. Um, but the impact of that game goes a very long way, I suppose you could say. Uh, and what I mean by that is, of course, you have a celebrity like Slash, who is um, uh, rather influential, has a lot of friends in uh, Los Angeles and Hollywood, and um, having access to a game, at least I assume that Slash has access to a game. Um, you would think so. Um, well, lots of people apparently are uh, very impressed, and rightfully so, with the game, which has resulted in uh, uh, potential licensors lining up around the block um, uh, for Jersey Jack Pinball. And they uh, basically, it puts them in the position where they can say, like, this is what we did with Guns N' Roses. We need all these assets. If you cannot give us all these assets, take a walk. Mm. And that's sort of breaking the licensing mold as we have seen it for the past 20 years at least, I would say, in pinball. And um, what I mean by that is that um, when a pinball company goes after a license, and especially now that there is no longer dot matrix displays, but actually video displays, it means if you want video assets, you have to pay extra. If you want music uh, from a movie or from a band, you have to pay extra. Um, basically, everything, uh, the license might just be a name and you have to pay extra for any additional features. And what's yeah. happening now is, because pe- uh, uh, licensors are, are interested in having Jersey Jack Pinball build a pinball machine, they can demand those assets um, or they won't do it. Yeah, almost sort of takes us back to the uh, mid '90s, really, where where having a pinball made uh, um, with your with your title on it um, is uh, is a you know, real cachet item, and you know almost like the pinball companies are doing you a favour 
in, in having a, having a pinball right. themed after your title. Well, it actually reminds me um, uh, a lot about Roger Sharp, and I'll explain to you why. Mm-hmm. Um, as you might know, um, as editor of Pinball Magazine, I uh, published uh, the first issue of Pinball Magazine, including a very in-depth interview with Roger Sharp about um, his work for Williams as a... Um, uh, licensing and marketing manager, mm-hmm. um, I suppose you could call it. Yeah. And one of the instances that we, that is discussed in the magazine is um, Williams was interested in getting the Batman license, which was supposed to be the game that eventually turned out to be Police Force. Yes, that's right. And um, it turns out that during the negotiations for the license, um, it would not be um, possible to use the likeliness of um, Jack Nicholson, who was the played the role of the Joker mm-hmm. in the uh, that Batman movie. Yep. They would not be able to uh, to use that likeliness. And for Roger, basically, he said it, it was a no go. Um, Data East was also interested, and basically, Roger said to the designers at Williams, "Let them have it," which is what actually happened. Uh, Data East came out with the game, but not with Jack Nicholson in it. And uh, well, you can decide for yourself whether it needed Jack Nicholson or not, and what you think of that game. But basically, we're getting back to a situation, it appears, where um, pinball manufacturers can say, like, if we don't get everything that we want to make this game as good as what we have shown you here. We're not interested. Hmm. Yeah. Um, as I say, though, it's, uh, it, it, it swings the balance of power, really, doesn't it? From the, uh, from the, from the pinball companies chasing and sort of begging at the, at the, the feet of the licensors saying, you know, please let us make this pinball machine. And now you've got the, the, the I don't know who were their bands, their movies, directors, their actors, whoever they are, who are coming coming to Jersey Jack and saying, "Please make us a pinball game," and right. uh, and and Jersey Jack pinball are able, as you say, are in a position to say yes if you give us all this, and then the, the onus is on them in order to provide all the assets that that uh, Jersey Jack pinball needs to make make the game that that should be made. Right. So well, it will be interesting uh, to see how this uh, pans out in the future. Of course. Um, their next title was uh, that that license had been um, uh, Toy Story or or licensed <laughs> already uh, uh, months, if not years ago. So it will not be applicable to the uh, the, the game after Guns N' Roses. But no. uh, it it should definitely it, it it will be very interesting to see what Eric Meunier's next title will be. Yeah, and if quite it's right, applicable yeah. to that. Mm. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, you, you would think it probably already got that one lined up as well. But um, certainly in the future, yes, um, we can look. Oh, it's what we need, isn't it? We need we need fully featured games with with all the assets that you can possibly throw at it. Right. You know, and well, why? What? You know, it's in everyone's interest to get all that, um, and and not in a licensor's interest to to make a, a an inferior product just because they're holding out for for extra licensing fees or any of the the actors or uh, right. musicians or whoever. Are trying right. to get get uh, so, an extra couple of cents out of each each game's royalties. Right. So so it will be interesting, and it might actually put Jersey Jack Pinball um, in a very fortunate position. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see whether it's whether it rubs off on the rest of the industry as well. Whether uh, whether Stern 
um, are able to uh, leverage more assets than they were before. Well, um, the future will um, uh, will tell, I suppose. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I suppose it depends on the license. I mean, some well, some bands are not very keen on giving any any uh, footage, and other bands like Guns N' Roses um, give you full access to uh, to 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 more than you can ever put into the game. Yeah. Now, uh, Jersey Jack Pinball have a uh, an example of uh, the kind of product they can produce when they do get those assets. Right, and mm. uh, of course, it will be. Well, it's it, it, it's amazing for your brand to have a pinball machine like that. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. So Good. the the, the um, uh, and what's also interesting, um, we might actually see um, more of Slash and uh, collaborating with Jersey Jack Pinball and Eric Meunier. Yeah, quite right. Yeah, I mean, you might be you might even be able to bring. Some of those, um, some of those licenses, those titles. Well, not only that, but as well uh, as, as, as you might remember, Slash was actually heavily involved was, in yeah. the design of of Guns N' Roses, and um, apparently he um, he likes the taste of uh, pinball design and working with Eric Meunier. So we might actually see a future collaboration between the two, um, and that's probably going to be on a not on a on a Guns another Guns N' Roses pinball <clears throat> themed game, but something else. Yeah, that, absolutely. That, that might interest slash and eric you know so yeah um of course and speaking slash, of guns and roses yeah i was going to say go slash on, has, talk about the code updates that's coming i'm out. about to say slash has uh has uh, plenty of other um musical collaborations as well you know his um revolver and works with miles kennedy and, and, and plenty of other artists as well um so there's, there's a lot of just just sticking with the music alone there's plenty of other co- possibilities there but yeah guns and roses two updates Actually, in uh, in January, one on the fifth, one on the tenth, version one point one zero, mostly of stuff for the collector edition, which, as you said, there is now in production. That fixed a, a, a bug, uh, which caused the game to crash in coma mode, and added some more light shows for the um, the back box and the under cabinet lighting, which is unique to the uh, CE, the collector edition. Uh, the version one point one two came out on the tenth, which added even more light shows. Uh, fixed uh, more bugs that uh, caused the game to crash that were during the night train and um, welcome to the jungle mode but those are on the standard and the limited edition models rather than the collector editions so something there for people who haven't got collector edition as well as a few other sort of uh, regular bug fixes which uh, come with every update as standard so um, version 1.12 uh, released on 10th of january is the the current latest version so if you haven't got it and you've got that game you should uh, you should update it and uh, fix some of those bugs and crashes. Right. Okay. Now before we move on, uh, let me check in with uh, with Gary. Yeah. Gary, are you yeah. still there? Hey, Gary. Yeah. Hello. Good. Okay. Yeah. No. Uh, uh, we just have a, a couple of uh, small tidbits to uh, uh, to discuss, and then we'll get sure right back to you. Okay. Hang in there. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Good. Right. Okay. okay. So, well, the next one is very very brief and short. Deep root pinball. Yeah, um, well, this is probably something for you to talk about because uh, it's not something which I actually saw. But uh, I understand that uh, Steve Bowden's been uh, been spreading the word about uh, everything that's been going on down in uh, the Deep Root facility in San Antonio. Yeah, uh, Stephen Bowden, uh, who is in charge of um, 
the uh, coding and the game rules mm-hmm. of the uh, uh, Deep Root games has been featured on a local, uh, I suppose it's a news channel, Fox 29, which is indeed related to the Fox Group. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, Fox 29 apparently airs in the uh, San Antonio area. Um, where he basically uh, he shot a segment in the uh, What's Brewing coffee shop, um, I think that's mm-hmm. what it's yeah. called, uh, where he explained that he was um, uh, working at Deep Root, that they are making pinball machines, and uh, that he uh, basically plays pinball uh, as a job. You know, and the uh, the segment was called uh, San Antonio Proud, so that's uh, I suppose that's an, an item that comes on regularly where yeah. a local tells what San Antonio um, uh, could be proud of. Yeah. So, and in this case, it was Deep Root Pinball that that, that got highlighted and uh, Stephen Bowden. So, nice exposure locally and um, uh, Stephen did share it on his Facebook and uh, other socials probably as well. So, um, he, um, if you want to see what he did, uh, look it up on his uh, Facebook page or something like that. Yeah, it might get an insight into what's going on inside the, the, the Deep Root Pinball Factory, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, actually, uh, from the footage, uh, basically, he was playing um, uh, existing pinball machines from... Uh, uh, I saw a No Good Gophers and, and some couple of other... 90s Williams games, I think. Um, can't remember exactly what, but... Okay. Um, I don't think... He, uh, um, I don't recall him playing uh, Raza in the ah. video. Oh, okay. That's a shame. Okay. Well, maybe there'll be a follow-up in the future. Right. Uh, okay. okay. So, uh, moving further up north, in fact, all the way up towards the border with Canada, and Swicky Pinball, who... Not a lot going on there. They're busy building their uh, Rick and Morty games. Right. But they have managed to bring out a nice new code update for Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle. Right. That's now up to version 1.1.0.4 as of the 19th of January. Um, looking at the release notes for that, there are a ton of bug fixes. And uh, we were talking about bug fixes earlier on, on some of the models. And uh, this has a, a long, long, long list of fixes uh, for that Which game. we're not going to address. We are absolutely in this not. Podcast. I no. mean, we're, uh, we, we already have Gary waiting, so we're not going to do that. Yeah. So, um, but that's it, really. Just to mention uh, some, some minor changes to how a few of the features work as yeah. well as the bug fixes. So, yeah, 1.1.0.4, uh, Alice Cooper, update it if you haven't already. Yeah, and I think uh, Bowen Karens actually did a tutorial on how to play the... Uh, the game with the new uh, new code update, so uh, look out for that as well. I think Spooky Pinball uh, mentioned it on their uh, their social media. Right. Okay. Now then, um, what else? Well, we've finished wrapping up the uh, the pinball manufacturers that we know um, about at the moment. If your if your company name has not come <laughs> up, there was no news. Yes, that's true. Yeah, there there. Well, we, we were hoping that uh, Chicago Gaming might have brought out one and might have announced their next title by now, but they haven't. So they're they're busy doing whatever they're doing, uh, keep manufacturing their existing remake titles and working on their 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 own homebrew or their own in-house developed title as well. Right. But uh, they're, they're not ready to announce anything. Well, they weren't anything ready to announce anything in January, twenty twenty one. Right. Okay. So also no news from Dutch Pinball. To report, they're still building the Big Lebowski, of course, but 
uh, in their new facility. Yep. Um, and I will actually be visiting them uh, next week. Oh. Or at the end of this week. Um, so I get a chance to see the new uh, facility. I can t- uh, tell you about that probably on the next podcast. Um, no news from Haggis Pinball either. No news from Home Pin. Nope. Um, nope. It's a yeah, reasonably quiet time of year. Of, yeah, so. yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about some news that's not direct, directly related to manufacturers. Right. Well, there's a very interesting uh, fundraiser currently going on for the Pinball Hall of Fame. Yeah, in as, Las you, Vegas. as you may remember, um, the, Tim Arnold and Co. from the Las Vegas Pinball Collector Club have um, are, are building their their third home. They, they've uh, they started some way off um, down um, uh, some way away from the Strip and um, next to uh, a movie theater. Then they moved to their current location, which is uh, like halfway towards the Strip, and now. Their new home, with a new ten million dollar building in total, is uh, is currently under construction at the the south end of the strip, next to the Welcome to Fabulous Las Vegas pinball, uh, Fabulous Las Vegas sign, and uh, of course they have their own amazing sign outside their building. Will have when it's finished, as well as the word pinball uh, projected onto the front of the of the building, but um, the uh, the COVID pandemic has uh, really impacted on the takings at their their current location you now they they've had to reduce capacity um las vegas a few fewer people are going to las vegas now than uh, in in living memory people just aren't traveling there so the income that they rely on from their existing location in order to fund the build and, and the completion of their their new uh, location um has kind of dried up and they're uh, they were already ex- planning to open in january and that's been pushed back now to may and they're they are now appealing for funds in order to finish off the build of the, of the new place right um, uh, it has become apparent that um at the, at the way that, that things are going at the current pace they are likely to run out of money so that's why the, the this this gofundme campaign has been Initiated. Um, they're looking to raise two hundred thousand dollars, and as of this morning, ninety-five thousand dollars had been raised so far. And bear in mind, with with GoFundMe, it's not like a like a Kickstarter where you have to get the total um, target, or you, do, you get nothing at all. No. If they make a you know, hundred thousand out of their two hundred thousand, they get the hundred thousand, and that right. keeps them going for a while. Um, now, obviously, it's. Uh, the the Hall of Fame is, I don't want to say it's divisive, but it's um, it's 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 had its detractors, shall we say, over the years, and the way that it's run as a sort of shoestring operation. But um, as far as I'm concerned, and this is just me speaking, I, I think it's it's going to be you know, the biggest public uh, face of pinball in the world. You know, people who don't know anything about pinball. Um, who would never normally go to an arcade and play there, or a barcade, or um, any any of the sort of pinball museums around the world will will we'll probably go to Las Vegas and will see this enormous pinball building with an amazing sign and and uh, word pinball projected on the front. That's going to be a, a big draw to them for them, and there and the fact that they can get in and uh, experience it for nothing as well in a, in a Las Vegas, which is you know so money driven. 
it's mm-hmm. something which which needs to be positive and um, draw them into all the all the good aspects of the game. So right. so it's important that they don't that it continues to exist and and project a positive image of pinball to the to the bigger public. So while there are there are plenty of other very very worthy causes um, who need funding and who are struggling in these times when arcades, barcades, museums are, are closed and people can't play pinball in a location. Um, this is uh, another uh, just another you know organization out there asking for for help but it's, right. it it has an impact that's beyond simply being um an arcade i think right so the only thing what i'm um uh, uh well there's a couple of things that i'm actually wondering about i donated let's mm-hmm. make sure yep. uh let's put that out there in the first place because i really want to see this um happening but yep. it also makes me wonder like why is for example stern pinball not uh, saying like, hey, how much do you need? We'll take care of it, you know. And um, someone on the uh, in the pin side thread suggested, I think it was um, uh, video um, Jack. Uh, um, he suggested, why don't they license the naming rights for the Pimble Hall of Fame for a few years to a, a large company, and it doesn't have to be. Um, Motorola or or uh, uh, DHL or or mm-hmm. um, uh, I don't know what kind of service, but it could be a pinball company or or an internet company or a mobile yeah. phone company or yeah, I mean the same way that they do you know, stadiums over there. Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah, oh, it could be done. Um, and, and 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 I mean the amount of money that they are looking for is probably peanuts for companies like those, and it, you might even wonder whether it's a tax deduction or not. Or I obviously I don't know the details about that. So, um, but it makes me wonder, like, okay, um, why scrape for pennies if you can get large bills? Well, you have to remember that um, that Tim and Co have been fiercely independent in doing what they've done. You know, they've they've tried they're trying to not ask people for money at any point. They haven't taken any sponsorship. They did do a. Um, um, a sort of membership scheme for a while where people could get their name up on the wall in order to raise some some money. So maybe that's something they could do a bit more. But at the moment, they're just trying to simply get donations in order to keep going. And, you know, I reckon if they actually came to it, they probably could go to the bank and uh, and get a loan. But they're trying so hard to sort of keep it affordable and manageable and get everything paid off according to their original timeline, so they can get back to making their, their charitable, charitable donations to the uh, Salvation Army. Right. Um, now, there's one thing that's sort of worrying, and I haven't, I didn't see anybody bring it up yet. Then again, I didn't see read everything. Um, mm-hmm. But um, as we, as you and I know, and a lot of our listeners probably too, especially if you've been to the Pinball Hall of Fame, I'd say um, uh, Tim Arnold, uh, with all the respect, is a rather eccentric uh, entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, he likes to donate, but he runs things um, his way. And uh, the entire operation is run by volunteers, which is all very applaudable. But uh, Tim isn't the youngest himself. No, that's and, true. Um, yeah. What will happen? I mean, 
they're now building a $10 million building. Let's say everything goes as uh, hoped for. They move the entire Pinball Hall of Fame over there. There's a $10 million building with 700 pinball machines and arcade machines. And one day, um, uh, Tim's no longer there. Then what happens? Well, it's true. It is, um, it is the Las Vegas Pinball Collector Club's building. So I suppose there is, uh, there is some other um, accountability there or a responsibility for running the place. But yes, it is, uh, it is pretty much Tim who's the, uh, well, Tim is the, the front man for the whole thing, isn't he? He's the, he's the fundraiser. He's the, the ringmaster, and, if you like. And, and don't get me wrong. I wish Tim a very healthy and long life. Um, but it's just a concern like, okay, if it's all coming down to one person and I see it with uh, my own uh, uh, pinball magazine, if I'm not doing uh, or if I, if have something happens to me, yeah. it's the end of pinball magazine. It's, mm. it's as simple as that. Yes, you're right. Yes, of course. So that made me wonder like, okay, um, there's this $10 million building, which you obviously that will gain in value but what happens uh, uh, 700 games in there and then there's loads of games still in in storage and um, I hate to think what might happen to it but then again hopefully they thought it through and um, they have a um, plan in place for what will happen yes yeah yeah, exactly. Because it would be a pity if you fund it now, and once Tim is gone, so is the Pinball Hall of Fame. I agree. Yeah, so we've got some uh, some other news because uh, I suppose we should probably go on to the award ceremony a bit now, really, because yes. um, voting has just closed for the the fourth annual Twippy Awards. Right now, normally, well, I say normally. Um, <laughs> Last last time it was held at a show, um, it was held at the Texas Pinball Festival, but that was in 2019. Right. Uh, 2020, it was online, and it's going to be online again this year. Right. And it'll be held on the 27th of March. Right. At 8 p.m. Eastern time. So um, for those of us in the uh, in Europe, um, in the middle of the night or early in the morning, and uh, for everybody else in the U.S. Um, and Canada. North America, it'll be uh, in the uh, the evening right. or early evening. Right. Uh, but, but voting is finished. Yes. Um, so so voting has finished for the Twippies, but there was this other award show, uh, the first time award show uh, organized by the uh, uh, the Pinball Network, uh, and they call their awards the Pinball Industry Awards. Um, and the difference with these awards and the Twippies is that the Twippies is actually a uh, is voted by the people, so to speak. And the uh, the Pinball Industry Awards are basically uh, picked, or the the the, the 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 sum of the opinions of various um, uh, people in the pinball media and uh, and such that. Uh, send in their best in uh, whatever category you can think of. Um, mm. And they added up those votes and that resulted in uh, um, certain winners. Yes, there were um, the, the voting panels made up of 20 podcasters, um, nine streamers, nine video creators, two writers. Um, 
Now, you and I both voted in that, as you mentioned last yes. time. It's very interesting uh, that I was considered a podcaster while I publish a magazine. But, okay, I'll take I it. Think it. I think it was for whatever happened in the previous year, or uh, whereas um, there wasn't a uh, pinball magazine as such came out in the, in the, in the past year. I did a so, reprint of uh, issue two that came out in January. Yes. That's true. Um but, um, yeah, well, I was down as a writer for the people new stuff, but rather than the podcasting. So I guess I, either way, we, we got ourselves covered. Right. Um, and, um, yeah, the whole thing was, um, was, was pre-recorded and done as a, as a very professional and uh, well-produced production that was put online. Right. Um, done, hosted by Zach and Greg from uh, Pinball Network, I suppose, from yeah. uh, shows on there. Uh, now, as you are probably aware, we are not part of the Pinball Network, but we... Uh, they could mean not we, afford we, us. No, that's right. No, well, there were all the riders that we demanded, they were just too much, apparently. I thought it was fair, but there you go. Um, but, yeah, there were a whole bunch of awards which were voted for, and there were some which were which were picked by a, a smaller committee from the Pinball Network, of which we had no input. Right, so... so. So right, the so, um, okay, so um, can we go um, through them. While it is worth watching the uh, one hour and forty five minute show, um, here are uh, here or here is a summary of who won what. Yeah, well, the uh, the big winner, I suppose, of the night or the the awards was um, unsurprisingly the the Guns and Roses game from uh, Jersey Jack Pinball, really? which won. In the following categories: the best lighting effects, theme integration, innovation. Music, animation, display effects, and also won the overall best in show award. And rightfully so. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it's hard, hard to imagine um, any other competitors beating it in in those particular categories. Right. Uh, Rick and Morty, uh, they also uh, that game also won a couple of awards. It won for best sound effects and callouts. Right. Okay. Hold Ooh. on. Oh, I can't Gary? believe it. It's Gary calling again. No, it's not. So, can't be. Okay, let's start with Rick and Morty again. I'll, I'll edit that out. So, okay. And uh, yeah, Rick and Morty also won in a couple of categories uh, from some Squeaky Pinball. Congratulations to them who won the best sound effects and the best callouts. So, um, obviously, some uh, some benefits there from getting. As we were talking about earlier, complete buy-in from the licensors and getting uh, the original uh, voice actors to, uh, to to do all the callouts for for that game, just yeah. as uh, uh, Guns N' Roses had some some amazing uh, sound um, calls, I should say, voice calls in in that title as well. Yeah, I was actually surprised that they beat um, uh, Guns N' Roses in uh, in the terms of uh, callouts. But, so. I think it's just in terms of it being funny. I think um, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Guns and Roses has some has some great um, callouts, but um, when it comes, everyone loves humour in a game, don't they? Really, and oh, yeah. uh, and Morty really captures that very Recipe well. Recipe for callouts they have. Yep, um, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles also got a couple of awards for the best cabinet slash backwork. Uh, back glass artwork, I should say, and also for the playfield artwork. So basically, artwork package really, right? Or Ninja Turtles, right? So that's a Jenny, Jeremy Pecker uh, package. So congratulations to uh, Jeremy Pecker as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Avengers Infinity Quest got um, got a couple of awards as well 
for best playfield layout and uh, the rules, best rules. Okay. Um, Haven't played it yet, so I wouldn't no. be able to tell you. <laughs> exactly. I was the same feeling. You know, I'd sort of look fairly blankly at that and go, good. I mean, they must be good. We'll look forward to enjoying them when we actually get our hands on, on a machine. Right. Um, other, the other award, the final other award, I suppose, went to uh, the Multimorphic P3 game uh, from Stephen Silver, Heist, which had the the best toys for the for the crane, the uh, the, the three dimensional crane toy on that, which uh, which, which is uh, pretty impressive and um, a worthy so, winner, I'd say. Yeah, and I'm happy to see that it's not just the big companies scraping up the awards, but also the smaller ones. Yeah, absolutely. Spooky and uh, Multimorphic, both getting uh, yeah. awards. Uh, surprisingly, no, um, nothing for American Pinball, while Hot Wheels actually has been uh, a surprisingly uh, fun game. Yeah, well, although there is no category for funnest game. Hmm. Is, uh, well, I'm for- not sure whether it would have won in there, but I don't think American Pinball was even nominated in any of the categories as in the top three um uh, but okay well it's, so, a, it's a good it's a good all-rounder i think is the is the issue there it's not maybe not outstanding in a particular aspect but uh, a very good solid and as you say enjoyable title right okay so then they had a uh, they they started a hall of fame for pinball machines of course, yeah. Pinball Expo already has a, a Pinball Hall of Fame for people working in the industry. And yep, so now there is a Hall of Fame for uh, pinball machines. Yeah, it's covering different different uh, decades, I suppose, or different eras, shall we say, uh, starting with the with EMs going to the 70s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, and 2010s. Yeah, that's actually a pity that they don't have a, uh, a pre-war category, I would say. What would your nomination be for that? Well, there's a couple of of, of, of games that um, uh, 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 Ballyhoo, for example, or oh yeah, um, uh, landmark uh, game, uh, Bally Airway, um, or the, the the one that you did, the the baseball one, um, mm. yeah, the you, mechanical one, yeah, yeah, exactly. Those well, there's are also ju- things like uh, Jigsaw and Army and Navy as yeah, well, exactly, which yeah. uh, were groundbreaking at the time and are still still absolute marvels to look at these days and see how I, they operate. I think they definitely deserve to be in such a, a pinball hall of fame because they actually, um, if it wasn't for those games, we might not be playing pinball right now. Yeah, great indeed. And games like Bumper as well, you know. Yeah, which, exactly. So, yeah. so many and Humpty Dumpty and yeah. yeah. So, well, there's a couple of usual suspects and a, a few of those actually already. Uh, got inducted, so to speak, this year. Let me know. T- tell us which are the games that were inducted. Well, the EM games uh, represented the EMs was uh, Grand Prix from Williams, uh, which uh, is, a, is a very good, solid game. Um, not sure it would necessarily be my favourite EM, but uh, it's uh, it, it's in there in the Hall of Fame. There's um, from the seventies, uh, solid state games. We have uh, Stone Meteor, right. Which uh, I think we'll probably all be familiar with, and uh, no, I think that's a that's a very worthy game. I, I, I really enjoy playing that. Yeah, it came out in September of uh, seventy nine, so it's oh, a, it, it qualifies <laughs> as a as a um, 
a 70s solid state, but I think there's really not, not much difference between the solid states from the late 70s and the early 80s. But uh, that's true. just me. So I, I, it would make more sense to have a category for early solid state and, uh, um, uh, well, maybe they should go with um, uh, numeric solid state, alphanumeric solid state, and uh, dot matrix solid state, for example. Yeah, true. But it is what it is. Um, the 80s solid state is represented by 8-ball deluxe. Right. Uh, which, which came out uh, a think, couple of months later. <laughs> yeah. It's, a, it's iconic pinball from that era, I think. So oh, yeah, I, absolutely. No argument, no argument with that there. either. 90s, um, well, obviously things have taken a bit of a, <laughs> a bit of a leap as we get into the 90s. And yeah, we're because at, right uh, now, uh, so we're going to 90, so we're skipping, we're going from uh, numeric... Yeah, uh, a solid state. We jump into dot matrix, and we're skipping yep, no alpha numerics. Yeah, entirely. Yeah, although it could fit into the uh, into the eighties or the nineties, I suppose. But um, if you had to, if you had to pick an iconic game from each of those eras, I suppose it's a reasonable judgment to put medieval badness in as, as the nineteen nineties um, classic game. Oh yeah, Which, definitely. Yeah, yeah. If you had to pick a game, I think it's got to be it. Two thousands. Actually, actually I think it, it should have been Adam's Family. Well, yeah, it's arguable. Um, That's the game that did best on location. Medieval Madness, as great as a game it is on location at that time, not so much. Yeah, it's it's hard to know what the uh, what the actual requirement is for a game to get into the Hall of Fame. Is it the most famous game, or well, is it the, the best game of that? Of that uh, particular decade, yeah. Oh well. So. I mean, Adams Family. If you if you talk to non people, non pinball people, they about from of a certain age, they will. If you ask them about pinball, they will remember the Adams Family. Oh yeah, definitely. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, to, okay. Moving on, two thousands. Um, Lord of the Rings seems to uh, seems to have got that the, the nod on that one. Yeah. Would yeah, not have uh, been my pick. No, nah, probably not mine either, but. It's, it's not a bad game. And um, 2010s, which um, was, it's quite a lot, quite a, a lot happened in that decade. Um, the Wizard of Oz gets right. in as, um, as being iconic in the sense that it, um, I guess, kick-started the renaissance of pinball. Yeah, I suppose so. So um, uh, no argument there, although... I can think of other games I enjoy more, but that's a personal thing. Yeah, it's um, the thing is it's it's significant, I suppose, rather than whether it's um, necessarily the most enjoyable to play. Right. Okay. And then there okay. were the uh, uh, Pinball Network Committee selections for excellence in various categories. Yeah, um, this was a, a smaller group of people, some of whom were. Who, who could have been represented within the, um, the nominations, but I think most, in fact, nearly all cases, I think they they sort of said if they were nominated, they would they would stand aside and uh, and not not accept the nomination from the uh, from the committee. But uh, the excellence in pinball streaming uh, went to IE Pinball, which is Carl D'Angelo, right, pretty much, um, and all the work he's done down in the. Uh, um, all, all the games that he streamed and the, the informational videos as well, the instructional videos that he's done and explanationary uh, ones, which uh, which really have shown the sort of the, the top end of pinball playing. 
Uh, normally, you, when you come to pinball streaming, people tend to think, oh, well, it's going to be dead flip. You know, it's going to be Jack, Danger again, going to win that one. So interesting to see, you know, an alternative take on it this time around. Right. Um, podcasting. Well, surprisingly, we didn't win. What? Uh, I know. Yeah. Well, but but who did win was somebody we mentioned earlier. So I guess we've in, yeah. We Actually, give I find it uh, still rather surprising, uh, but um, uh, happy yeah. for them. Lose a kid pinball podcast. So yep. congrats. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, in in a photography category, uh, the uh, the excellence in photography award went to Charles Acosta uh, from Pinball Photos. Yeah, that's. Um, uh, with all the respect, would not have been my pick. But then well, again, was, uh, I have a, 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 um, a connection to another photo- photographer, which <laughs> I think makes the best photos in pinball, uh, which is why he's working for me. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, there you go. And That's, if you want to uh, find out, then buy Santiago's pin, uh, Chufo's pinball book with uh, pinball machines from Argentina, which is rather interesting. Yeah. But even look, follow him on his social media and... Uh, uh, he still uh, posts photos that haven't been published in uh, in books yet, um, but they really grab me every time. So, well, two very very different uh, approaches to pinball photography. Uh, Charles is obviously very much about the beauty shots of pinball, and I think it's fair to say that Santiago's work is more about it's more sort of gritty, realistic um, depiction of, of how pinball is uh, is enjoyed right. in, in different parts of the world. Right. So, but yep. um, so, but Charles was also picked to do the um, the publicity shots for the Guns and Roses game. So, right. uh, so we ended up using quite a few of his pictures in uh, in our reports about uh, the, the launch of that game. So that, they all turned out very nicely. So, uh, congratulations to Charles. Uh, the, that's the static side. The, and then there's the moving side, which is the excellence in videography, which uh, went to two different people. One um, who's been a uh, who's appeared in uh, Pinball Magazine, indeed, uh, Emoto. Right. Uh, uh, has she appeared in Pinball Magazine, or is she going to? I'm, no, she will definitely be I'm, in a future I'm, issue. Yeah, I think I might have been jumping yeah. the gun there a bit. But, but it's uh, always a pleasure running into her, and um, she's such a good spirit. It's um, uh, a fun person to be around with, you know. So. Yeah, Congratulations that, to Emoto and um, that's Emoto Harney, um, yes. who, who uh, does Emoto Arcade, um, and um, done an awful lot of uh, video interviews as well for Marco uh, at, at various shows. Yes. So uh, yeah, and uh, a good ambassador for pinball, and also for, uh, shared with with Gavin Free from the the Slow Mo guys, who has right. done some uh, some amazing work showing how pinball uh, rubbers and how the pinball game reacts um to the to the motion of the ball and the impact of the ball using the 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 uh the very impressive slow-mo techniques which they use to to uh, show how things um react in in um in ultra slow-mo so you can right. with things you will never see and what happens with the naked eye yes what happens if you shoot a uh, a steel ball across a play field or catch it with a flipper yeah yeah, it's quite quite astonishing. Um, so, congratulations to Gavin and to Moto for winning the videography awards. And I think that's um, that's everything from the uh, the pinball industry awards. Right. Okay. So, um, um, oh, well, we did mention when the twippies is. That's March twenty seventh. Mm-hmm. So, um, 
uh, that covers it actually for for Pimble Awards. Yes, indeed. Um, before we go to Gary, one oh, final yeah. uh, um, uh, item that came in um, that, that I just want to mention. Uh, Brian Allen of uh, Flyland Designs has been doing a, quite a, a, a couple of um, alternative translites um, mm. for... Uh, um, Various classic games, I would say. Um, yep. And he just um, um, announced art blades for Medieval Madness that fit, uh, that are in the same style of his uh, his, his translate as well. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, so he did um, Attack from Mars, Medieval Madness, uh, Don Whitewater, I think was his most recent one. And as you say, now Medieval Madness uh, art blades right. for the so. inner, inside of the cabinet. And now, when I first looked at them, I thought, uh, I'm not sure. Then I saw them in the game, and I thought, yeah, he's he's got it. Yeah, that really works well. Yeah. Now, it's got really nice uh, catapult artwork for the, for the area around the catapult on the left-hand side, and um, on the right-hand side as well. You know, it's a completely different design, but it, it all matches up with uh, with the features on the playfield, and I think it's a very nice bit of work. Right. So, um, so that makes me curious. Is he also going to do plastic sets? Oh well, it's almost like the next next step, isn't it? So, oh well, um, I guess that rounds it up. Um, so we still have Gary waiting. Yeah, come um, on, let's, let's bring him on. Head over to Gary. Gary, tell the latest. Oh, can you believe it? What? what? He hang up. Oh, you're kidding. Well, I guess we we kind of owed that, aren't we? After last time, aren't we? I don't think well, so. Well, we kind of forgot about him, and he's kind of forgot about us. So. Oh, oh well. that's a shame. Well, I guess the I guess the message, the takeaway there is to uh, to get him on when we can. Okay. Well, for future episodes, let's keep that in mind. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that wraps up. Um, I'll look back at January twenty twenty one. Unless you can think of anything else we uh, we need to cover, uh, Jonathan. No, I think that's it. Yeah. Good. Um, okay. Is there anything that we can uh, expect from uh, for this month, February? Well, I don't think we're going to get any more shows. I think there, were, there don't think we actually many planned for February. No. So, so uh, we're not really missing out. expected? No, I don't think so either. Can't think of well, anything. Hopefully maybe. Deep Fruit will, make, uh, will, will surprise us with something. Well, they've still got uh, plenty to be getting on with building, building their, their Raza games. And per, but perhaps we will see uh, some alien machines coming out. Okay, well... In order to find out what will happen uh, in the month of February, tune in next month when we look back at February 2020. One. Uh, sorry, yeah. Well, for <laughs> fun, for, just for fun, let's let's look back at February 2020. Well, if you want to do that, then we we do have a a podcast on our site, uh, which you can get to through right. uh, Anchor, Anchor FM, again. Apple Podcasts. And Spotify as well. Uh, look back for from one year ago and see what happened then. But um, yes, as you as you say, we will be back uh, at the very very start of March 2021, looking back at the all the events in the pinball world from the previous month. So uh, until then, uh, from uh, myself, Martin Ayub, and from my co-host Jonathan Houston of Pinball Magazine, we wish you uh, a very happy February, and we will see you at the end of it. Okay, thanks. Bye.